We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime. We are joined yet again by the wonderful Scott Barrett. We are going to talk tight ends and running backs ahead of the NFL draft, which I'm sure you can already taste it at this point for NFL round one. And we'll see which of these guys maybe Scott thinks may or may not be going in round one. We'll see how they fall as the, the dust settles here. Sean, as always, it is fantastic to have Scott on. Great show on Monday as we talk through the wide receivers tight ends and running backs coming up here and i know you're excited to, to pick scott's brain on this it should be another fun show and just how excited are you ahead of this nfl draft tomorrow and uh obviously you know your schedule with ben and what's coming up with stealing bananas let the the crew know what's happening here yeah we're gonna do a live show for day two so we know obviously lots of people do day one but we're gonna do day two that is going to be a lot of fun we had a blast with it last season but yeah i'm I can't wait to find out who Scott has here at the tight end position, unlike wide receiver and potentially unlike running back. I mean, running back is this weird class in 2023 where we have a generational guy. Again, we have one of those every couple of years. I think he's the best. Well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to skew Scott's answer here. He alluded to a guy that the two of us both like on the previous show. But you got a couple of backs, and then you have a really long wait before the running backs get interesting again, but then they get pretty interesting late. Tight end is really the flip side of all of that, where we have a couple names being mentioned in the first round. We have potentially a couple more names being mentioned in the second round. We have very athletic prospects. So, I mean, Scott's going to be our guy today working you through, like, who you should actually take, because with so much importance now in tight end premium in so many formats... If you can get an elite tight end, it's a huge difference maker for you. But you also think about tournaments like underdog. If you can land a rookie tight end late and that guy actually produces, then again, I mean, you just save yourself so many picks. So tight end, something that people can ignore, but it's crucial. If you get it right, you will win. And so I'm fired up for that. And that's how we're, where we're going to start today. So Scott, welcome back. The wide receiver show was really cool. It was the Marvin Mims special, which is the best special you can have. Can't wait to hear what you have to say on tight, uh, tight ends. 
And you mentioned at the end of the last show, so I want to get it up front here in case some people we know some people turn podcasts off before the end. That is part of the, the podcast game. But when we are at the front, perfect opportunity to pitch it again. You mentioned the draft guide and the, the work over at Fantasy Points, but I want you to have the floor here again to mention to the, the OT listeners as to what, what they can find from you over there and what they should be checking out over at Fantasy Points. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you can check out our free NFL draft guide that's done by Brett Whitefield, who is basically our resident film scout and then you can read my articles on the running backs wide receivers and tight ends uh basically consider me as your director of analytics for your fantasy football team and then you can use those together to really make the best decisions for your drafts all that stuff is free this year uh, so i suggest you take advantage of it over at fantasypoints.com and you can check out scott on twitter as well at scott barrett dfb but sean mentioned it we are a little bit excited potentially about this tight end class tight ends can be extremely valuable especially when you're playing in tight end premium leagues like a lot of the leagues that myself and sean now as kind of a, a symbiotic relationship our, our listeners play in over time but uh is this class really as good as it's been advertised to be uh probably not just because uh you know musgrave it's always uh, we always overhype these things too <laughs> Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, they, they don't really have the analytics profile to justify their draft capital. You know, I'm open to, to being wrong. This is just, you know, the analytics profile. We'll, we'll see what happens when uh, draft capital enters into the equation. But I write these articles without factoring that in. Um, but I mean, the top three, I really like the top three tight ends in this class quite a bit. So you mentioned the top three. And for a lot of people, it is a top two and in many ways they're very similar but they also create some or offer some very interesting contrasts break down the mayor versus kincaid battle for us and if there's a direction that you're going pretty heavily the prices now have gotten fairly similar so maybe price is no longer that much of a question maybe it will be again after the nfl draft we'll have to see but, but break this down for us yeah so so my tight end one is michael mayer uh, it, I feel really good about that, but it, it was close, you know, with my model, if I just like tweaked one thing really slightly, it could have Kincaid above him, but just looking at their analytic profiles and their totality, uh, I do feel really good about it. The guy was an immediate day one, uh, producer at a really high level. And he's just been working as the team's wide receiver one, putting up some insane tight end stats, some historically great tight end stats. Uh, whereas with, and the one knock on him, I suppose, is he was above average. He was like 66th percentile in athleticism. We know athleticism matters more for the tight end position than it does for any other. That's It's important. I, I think it's still overstated to a large degree, but uh, it is really important. Kincaid, we, we don't have any athletic testing numbers, but everyone is saying he would have been uh, more or less a freak athlete. Uh, his 2022 season was absurd. Uh, you can argue, I mean, it's close, but you could argue uh, that season was better than any season that that Mayer put out. Uh, again, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that, but but it, it's at least close, and and it was a, a really ridiculous, great year. Uh, what I go back to with Mayer is just like Mayer was, I mean, 
Kincaid's also what, like a year older than Kyle Pitts. <laughs> that definitely, that definitely matters. That factors in the equation. He's, he's 1.6 years older than Mayer. But the, the, the one concern was that he never outproduced Brant Kuthi as the team's tight end one. Uh, Kuthi suffered an injury in like the third or fourth game this year. And up until that point, Kuthi was still outproducing him. So you do worry a little bit about that. Uh, but again, I, I really like him. The, my model really liked him. Um, so it's a very close tight end one, tight end two. The the NFL mock draft Cognoscenti kind of has it like, well, Kincaid is definitely the better receiver with more upside. Mayer is just the safer pick who's you factor in that he's a better blocker. And, and that's why he goes tight end one. So if you if you want to look at that, I mean, like if they're right, then yeah, you should absolutely draft Kincaid, who is the better receiver, which is what you want for fantasy. I just think, I just think they're they're uh, underrating Mayer's ceiling significantly. Like the, the knocks you put on this guy, uh, he was a good athlete, but not freakish athlete for a freakish class. Uh, I mean, whatever. You know, Zach Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews, Jordan Reed, those guys were all what four six forty yard dash times. Four seven even uh, TJ Hawkinson, so I, I think they're just—it's one of those things where a guy is just far and away the best tight end in the class for three years in a row. You kind of just, you know, lose some luster. You, you kind of, yeah, we, we already talked about this guy. Oh, but this new guy—he's really exciting. Uh, so I, I think he's a really good prospect. I think he's worthy of a uh, late round one pick in tight end premium. Uh, because again, I, I don't like the other positions that much. And and you can make the same case for Kincaid. Scott, you and I are in a league together, the Animal Shelter League that we're drafting right now. It's a pre-NFL draft format. And you and Danny Kelly, your co-manager there, selected Mayer. Would you have picked him if Kincaid hadn't actually already gone earlier? And I mean, you kind of already answered this question, but if people are drafting for best ball and they want instant production do you have a lean one way or the other i guess for me it's it's difficult because i watch the two guys and one looks exactly how you described him very athletic freakish scoring a lot of fantasy points the other guy looks slower than the very solid he looks less less athletic than the solid athleticism you described but the one-handed catches are there the production is there and it kind of brings me back a little bit to this conversation we had related to some of the wide receivers where it's easy to say, okay, well, this guy is going to come out and give instant production because he finished with a lot of production at the end of his last season. But it was actually the other player who gave much quicker production in college, which we often see translating in a similar way to the NFL. So kind of filtering through those elements, I mean, are you, are you picking Kincaid when you need production right away? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Mayer uh, just because I do have him as my tight end one, but I said it's really close. And even in the article, I think I left myself an out. Like I give me the right to occasionally take Kincaid over Mayer if I want, but like, just know I'm mostly taking Mayer because again, like the athleticism, the, uh, the, the receiving upside, that is what matters. I, I just think the NFL is kind of missing the mark. I, I, I think he's okay. He's not Travis Kelsey. But, you know, maybe he's, I mean, look at Jason Witten, right? Okay, Jason Witten was a freak athlete at his combine, but 
or fairly freakish, but I mean, like, look at like the second half of Jason Witten's career. He played till he was what 40. He wasn't you know, a freak he, athlete at the end. Definitely not. And he was still, you know, a tight end one. He was still uh, somewhat of a PPR cheat code. Um, I, I just think, I just think they're underrating Mayer's floor. Like you said, the guy was a beast from day one that matters. Uh, he's just not, he's just not that fast and he's not that explosive, but, but, uh, you know, the numbers were there and, uh, you know, he, he, he wins in other areas by, by other means. And, uh, no, I, I do feel good about it. I, I just, I think the NFL is, is a little off on this point. So you're, you're kind of giving us mid thirties, Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez as mayor's like entire career. <laughs> uh, no, he's 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 good. He's good. He's just again, he's not he's not unathletic. He's 66 percentile. He's just not Zach Koontz. He was, you know, I, I think there's times when if it's not in the I think we talked about this last week, Sean, if it's not in the 90s or above, we think these guys aren't athletic, whereas you know they're still very athletic when it's in the 66 percentile. So I think it is gonna be interesting to see how, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, how these guys are going, who looks more like Antonio Gates and who looks more like uh, Heath Miller out there, for example. But when we look then at uh, Darnell Washington, we're moving on to next. And where do you see him this year with an instant impact and then moving on down the line? What's your thoughts on him moving into the NFL? And then do you think the community, draft community, fans community would be even higher on him if he hadn't played with Brock Bowers? Uh, so, I'm sorry. I just pulled it up. Yeah. So Michael Mayer is only like 12 spots below Mark Andrews, uh, probably above Dallas Goddard in my athleticism model. Again, I, th- I think, you know, they're just uh, splitting hairs. NFL's being like nitpicky and a guy who's just been a stud for for three years. Uh, for, for Darnell Washington, this isn't my tight end three. This is my, my tight end four. Uh, he is a freakish athlete. He's not as freakish as Koontz or Musgrave, but he's he's right there. He's basically tied with Musgrave. Uh, I, I, here's what I like about him is yeah, granted the, the raw production wasn't there, but that's understandable with Brock Bowers on the team. Brock Bowers is a God. He's superhuman. He's, I don't know, the white Kyle Pitts. We'll, we'll see what happens next year. We'll talk about him next year. You and I, Sean. Um, but, uh, so he was stuck behind him just like Roshan was stuck behind Bijan Robinson. You can say that's like being stuck behind, a Pat Mahomes where, yeah, sure. The, the receiving production wasn't there because he's the receiving tight end. Whereas Washington is more, you know, chip blocks and blocking, but he smashed in all of the stats that would matter or the, the stats that you could smash if you're playing behind Brock Bowers, which by the way, I think just about every tight end in this class would be behind Brock Bowers. And those stats are, he leads this class in career yards per target average depth adjusted yards per target yards per reception, missed tackles force per reception yards after the catch per reception and explosive play play rate. Uh, so that's the upside argument if you want it. Uh, but ultimately he's, he's just my tight end four and he, he's not someone I'm, I'm super excited about. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Give us, give us the other guy that you are extremely excited about. And... I make the case that maybe he should be the tight end one for my tight end three. All right. Well, uh, he should be the tight end one because, uh, I mean, he was on a bad offense, a really bad offense, but he put together, uh, two of the top 15 best ever tight end seasons by yardage market share. Uh, his 2022 season ranks second best since 2008 above any season from Michael Mayer. Uh, above any season from Dalton Kincaid. Uh, It's not his fault that this offense was garbage. The quarterback was garbage. Um, His 1.8 yards per route run across his career was slightly less than Mayer's 1.95. But Laporta was beat out Mayer against tougher competition against power five opponents. He was also running higher level of difficulty routes. Uh, He ran he led the class in routes run as an ISO receiver uh, and also led the class in routes run when lined up out wide. He uh, leads the class in yards per route run against man coverage. And so what, what all that's saying is you're at a disadvantage against man coverage. You're at a disadvantage in ISO or when lined up as an outside wide receiver and not in the slot. So, you know, factor that in, you could argue because he was having the, running these higher level of difficulty routes, his production profile is actually better than Mayer's, better than Kincaid's. But that's just me answering the the question that he's also a freak athlete, by the way. Is just uh, that you're 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 you asked me to right, make the tight end one argument. I, I wouldn't have him tight end one. That was perfect, though. Perfect. <laughs> Where do you have him? Well, now tight end one. You just made the perfect <laughs> argument. Exactly what I asked for. So. <laughs> What about the, the remaining guys here? we got to save a couple of minutes to get your bold predictions on the running backs. We have athletic tight ends remaining. Some people are fired up about them. How excited are you for the athletic tight ends? Uh, it's just really hard to make a pro Luke Musgrave argument analytically. He ranks among all tight ends in this class. He ranks either worst or second worst in career drop rate, career yards after the catch per reception, career missed tackles force per reception. And he has, what, three career games with at least 60 yards. Mayer had, what, 30 career games? And so, like, the NFL is saying, the NFL is saying, oh, this guy, like, he would have been a superstar if he got hurt, if he didn't get hurt, because, like, his first two games were awesome. Yeah, but he also only has, like, two good games in his career. Um, I, again, like 
whatever draft capital happens here is I'll be, I'm agnostic. Otherwise just, Hey, if he gets the draft capital, I'll really like him if he doesn't, you know, but it's just that, yeah, the analytics profile is, is rough. And that's kind of what I'm seeing for a lot of these guys in this class. But, but give us Coons. I mean, Oh, okay. Somebody okay. Who's, uh, I mean, it feels like there are some red flags, but I mean, is he the most athletic of these tight ends? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. He's for me, the seventh most athletic tight end to participate at the combine since the year 2000. He also looks like a near perfect Jimmy Graham clone. Uh, with better jumps, which is weird because Jimmy Grant famously was, uh, you know, a basketball player. Uh, he had really good production, really good volume uh, two years ago. I think he was hurt last year. Uh, the issue was the efficiency was like awful uh, by depth adjusted yards per target over expectation. It was bottom 40 of 400 or 4,500 qualifiers since 2014. Uh, no player in the bottom 100 has ever been drafted by an NFL team. That's, you know, that's a red flag, but uh, yeah, absolute freak athlete. You just wish an absolute freak athlete would be more productive. Uh, to me, there's like a 4% chance. He's the next Jimmy Graham or the, the next Antonio Gates, you know, two guys who didn't have a lot of football experience, but were beasts in the NFL. Uh, but there's also like probably a 78% chance. He's the next Jamison cons who is like the, a, uh, Vernon Davis clone, maybe even more athletic than Vernon Davis, but who never did anything at the NFL. But I'm not, I'm not really a traits guy. I'm not really an athleticism guy. I, I feel like, I feel like you're like the Seahawks, Sean, and I'm like the, I don't know, some team that devalues athleticism. I mean, like the Seahawks have a sick track record. So, well, it's just, it's fun when the guys are athletic. And <laughs> I mean, the NFL, pretty high level. If you stand out, athletically even within that group but no I and mean, we're, we're emphasizing production here we just gotta we gotta get the the lowdown on players who are exciting also we have to uh get in there and trade ahead of you and danny for the the fourth round picks to grab up the most fun guys here colin take us to running backs yeah and the running backs we're gonna go we're gonna go bowl predictions for the nfl draft at the running back position and it's kind of gonna be scott we start a sentence you finish the sentence you can have as many words in the sentence as you want, or it can be very short. Except it, it can't just be that it's Marvin Mims. It can't be Marvin Mims every time. So the first one I'm going to go with, and it's Bijan Robinson, is the best running back since. Marvin Mims. <laughs> Perfect answer. Uh, uh, Bijan Robinson is the best running back since at least Saquon Barkley, and I'm very open to the idea that he's a better prospect than Saquon Barkley. Also, take us back further then. I mean, Saquon is everybody's answer. It seems like I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor just a couple years ago, but I'm, I mean, I'm hearing like Barry Sanders, maybe Jim Brown from you. Well, uh, Saquon was what the year after CMC. So it's like, yeah. So, I mean, like he, I, I don't have him above CMC. There's ways his profile is like better than, than CMC, but I had, you know, CMC was just, oh, oh my God, you know, the goat. But, uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, we were both very high on Jonathan Taylor. It's just, uh, he, he, he doesn't have, the, the passing game, he was underutilized as a pass catcher at Wisconsin. I see more upside from Robinson there. Uh, Saquon's more athletic than Bijan, but I, I don't think it's by a lot at all. Um, and I do think he is definitely the, the better runner. Uh, what, what do you think about running traits for Bijan versus 
Taylor. I think they're either like neck and neck. I, I can make an argument. Bijan's a little above by by the uh, elusivity metrics that that matter to me and my model. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I think that the the long speed really separates them, and so I would still go Taylor there. And he, and he because of the long speed, I think it's easy to lose track of just how elusive he actually is in the short area as well. The place that I think I I would give Barkley a pretty significant edge on Robinson in athleticism, and I think that's probably where he closes the gap because what you're saying there in terms of things like evasion rate and pure runner abilities, and you know. I, those of us who just are, which is everybody who's very much influenced by Barkley's post-injury running, which is not as dynamic as it was pre-injury. But even if you're just purely looking at the college numbers and all of that, Barkley not the level of pure runner that Robinson is. And so that would be the area where Robinson, I think, really gets the advantage over potentially everyone. So, so my model really values yards after contact per attempt, missed tackles forced per attempt or touch. Uh, that elusivity really, really matters. Unlike, you know, breakaway percentage, which I view as more of like a style stat, not super predictive of future fantasy points. Saquon Barkley, to me, I I've always thought was overrated as a runner. Like, okay, it was awesome as a freshman and pre-injury, uh, but he was so much of a home run threat where something like, if you take away all of his runs of, you know, 30 or more yards, he averages just like 1.9 yards per carry. That was true in college. That was true as a freshman, as an, as a sophomore, granted, you can't really take that away. Uh, just to, to me. Uh, but, but like that, it, that is exactly who Saquon was. Whereas Bijan is just this tackle breaking machine who gains consistent yardage and sure he doesn't have the same home run threat. Uh, but I think, I think that wins out. At the end of the day, if I'm an NFL team, and then also if I am if I'm a fantasy player as well. So going to the second one here, the most underappreciated athlete is who? Um, <laughs> Kenny McIntosh. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like, did you want more more words to explain that? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I have it. I have it. Uh. The best athletes in this class, Daenerik Prince, Bijan Robinson. So I guess it's Bijan Robinson because my model says he's he's a really high caliber, top ten percentile athlete. He, he, sure, he doesn't have Saquon Barkley's speed, but I mean four four six at two hundred and fifteen pounds. That's that's not nothing, and uh, really good numbers everywhere else. Uh, then it's Chase Brown, Evan Hull, Tyon Evans, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet, Rashawn Johnson. But like I again, like we we talked about this. I you you like having fun. You like drafting athletes, and apparently, I, I I don't like having fun. As as people in the last episode know from how negative I was, um, I yeah, it just doesn't really matter. Like I'm not excited about Deneric Prince. I'm not ex- excited about Chase Brown or Evan Hull or Tyon Evans. Um, so I guess that leaves us with Bijan and Gibbs, who I, I I just think they're awesome. They are awesome, and so we have to make a stipulation for the next question, which is. Who's going to be the running back who will at some point, not initially this season, obviously, the running back will go on to catch 100 passes, but in the non-Gibbs division. Is this over their career? Or am I supposed to see you, them doing this in a season? you got to see him doing it in a season. Who's the next Matt Forte? <laughs> uh, 
Um, I guess I, I would I would bet on Bijan Robinson. Like a lot of other people talk about the predictive nature of uh, you know team reception market share or something like that. Uh, to me, like it's it's more what's more predictive than the volume is is receiving efficiency like yards after the catch per reception or receiving this tackles force per reception. Um, I mean, plus also that, that production, but, but what's also predictive is being an elite runner is predictive of uh, pass catching numbers in, in the pros. And so Bijan is, in my opinion, a really high level uh, wide receiver, but also an elite running back. So I can see him doing that on the right team. Uh, but if this question was just like, who's the second best receiver in this class? I, I think it's Kenny McIntosh unironically, like horrific, horrific athleticism, horrifically bad, but, but uh, just production profile, really strong, really looks like one of the better pass catchers to come out in the, the last five years. So you had mentioned him and then said you weren't excited. Evan Hall, not somebody who, again, so take the number down some, not someone who's going to break out as a pass catching running back. Um, yeah, definitely not excited about Evan Hall. Um, who am I excited about? Uh, uh, no, no one, because I don't love this class, but I think, uh, Chris Rodriguez could be, you know, James Robinson 2.0 or Tyler Algier 2.0. Uh, I do actually like Kenny McIntosh. I'm like scooping him up at the 412 in rookie drafts, but like, that's the 412 in rookie. Like, it's just, he had a really good profile, and then a death knell uh, athleticism score. So, hey, you never know. Dwayne McBride, uh, I don't like small school running backs, but he's going cheap. He, he, maybe he's the next. Uh, Jordan Howard also played at UAB, but he's a lot smaller than Jordan Howard, but like same profile in terms of hyper-efficient, uh, brings nothing as a pass catcher. Uh, or maybe he's the next like Daryl Henderson, who's like a guy who just crushed in the non-power five. Um, but you never know. Maybe he's the next Kareem Hunt. That's just uh, uh, th- those would be the guys I think who who stand out to me. Earlier, I'm a big Kendry Miller guy, but I think I've I've overexplained this answer. <laughs> Moving on to day three potential prospects. Who's the best three down prospect on day three? Is there anybody, or is there somebody who stands out? That's a a tough question. Who's who's the best running back of all time and on day three? <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I don't like this class and like, I, I value running backs this, the same way as like my model does, like, which was accidental. I didn't like intentionally plan for that, but I want every down running backs. I want bell cow running backs where it uses both a runner receiver rank highly in snaps, carries targets, red zone opportunities. If you're not that, if you're just a, a situational early down workhorse or a scat back or whatever, I, I don't, I don't want you. You're kind of just clogging up roster space. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't see that Zach Charbonnet, I don't view as a every down three down prospect. So, you know, I, I, Kendry Miller, I like a lot. He's, he's not a pass catcher. So I I definitely don't see one falling on day three. I I think there's only two. I think Bijan is, you know, uh, the last of the bell cows, like the last of the Mohegans. And I think Jameer Gibbs is there. If everything breaks his way, could be the next Austin Eckler. But, but outside of that, no, I, I don't think there is any. Well, you mentioned Miller, and so he potentially is the answer for the next question. But, I mean, you kind of set us up to say that you don't have one, but 
who do you hope doesn't fall in drafts outside of those top two guys? And we obviously hope that they hit good landing spots too, because I mean, Robinson and Gibbs could be dramatically affected by bad landing spots. That's the way it works for running backs. Who do you hope doesn't fall in the draft because you do want to take them and you want it to be something where, I mean, you're taking them with a shot at meaningful production, good landing spot. You want that signal that the team actually likes them as opposed to, you know, we had to make picks and we only had a handful of players we knew about here late in the draft. Yeah. The, the, the guy I'm, I'm hoping for is, is Kendra Miller. I have him as my tight end three in this class above Charbonnet. My, my model really liked him uh, to make an argument for him. It's like, honestly tough. He's, he's just like, wasn't elite anywhere, but he was just good to great everywhere and good to great enough to, to rank above uh, some of these other names. Uh, minimal pass catching usage, uh, but he was at least efficient on a, a per reception basis. I don't think that matters enough because the volume was so low, but yeah, it's Kendry Miller. But again, it's I, I don't see him as a bell cow. I don't really see him as a guy to get excited about. He's like poor man's Joe Mixon to me, but like pretty poor. Uh, and yeah, that's what I think. What about you? What's your answer, Sean? Well, I, I, I would love to see Chase Brown go somewhere where the team really believes in him. You've got the guy who is just big enough, a fantastic athlete. And you would have liked to see a little bit different arc in college. But with how much he was leaned on late, I think that some of these guys are going to be good. I have been kind of loading up. I've loaded up in the draft that you and I are in together. Uh, I believe I got Miller in that draft very late, which was exciting. And so I think that's the stockpiling some options in this draft and avoiding the receivers kind of in that range. You you always make a great pitch for the bell cows. We know that in order to build your team around them in dynasty or to burn roster spots on them, if you're in a thinner format, Colin and I play in the road of his uh, triflex leagues over at the FFPC, which only 20 roster spots. And so you can't, be clogging your roster with a bunch of these guys who, you know, really in 20 roster spot leagues, I mean, they're free agents, right? You got to pick them up when they actually have that opportunity. But the the mix of guys who are kind of in that 210 range, and it's kind of funny because you, you always like to, to draw the, the contrast between the way you and I are looking at the running backs, and then we more or less like the same guys. Sherman is somebody that I've been telling people to, you know, not completely avoid, and not that he's going to be a bust, but there are some concerns. He's probably a little bit over overvalued and a bit, you know, don't go crazy thinking that he's nothing, but yeah, I, uh, I think that this class does have some fun players there. And I mean, I like the guys who are in that range where they're big enough, but they're not so big that, and again, that's one of the reasons why Barkley is such an unusual guy because he's a huge player who has athleticism, these guys who were in the 220, 225, 230 range, you got to be very special athletically or else you're just a guy who the coaches throw into the line because they don't have their creativity or the mental flexibility to realize that those broken tackles don't mean anything because the guy breaks three tackles and gains two yards. And so the guys who are, what's that? So I, the, the players who are in the 210 range here could be just big enough. And we'll see if they are. As we as we take it take us out here, um, 
thoughts on Bigsby? He's somebody who I think is is controversial because the production at the end, I think underwhelming in the size, athleticism profile, he improves it with the pro day. But I mean, that's the guy who, when you look at the latest production and you look at size speed, is he athletic enough to be anything other than just one of these very replaceable running backs at the NFL level? I mean, so that's a good question. He's, he's fairly unique because he bombed the combine. He, he tested out as like a really mediocre athlete or sub mediocre. And then he crushed his pro day. He put on five pounds and his 40 yard dash went from four, five, six to four, four, five. Uh, but to me, like analytically, he, he did look like uh, the sort of guy who can win a fist fight in a phone booth, but just totally lacks juice. You contrast his numbers with that of his teammate, Jarquez Hunter. Hunter smashed him in yards per carry, uh, rushing yards over expectation per attempt. It wasn't even close. Adjusted yards per carry uh, by efficiency against stack boxes versus light boxes. Um, and Bigsby was like really unique in the sense that he was the only running back who was actually more efficient against stack boxes than light boxes. Um, he was worse in the class uh, at yards per carry when first contact came beyond the line of scrimmage. So all that paints the picture of, again, a guy with the dreaded contact gene who lacks juice. Like yards after contact per attempt is so important to my model as his missed tackles forced. And he had that only his last season, but he didn't have the prerequisite yards per carry average to where he's just sort of that guy who just runs into defenders and like, okay, maybe he'll break, break one and then gain like an extra two yards on a good day. Uh, not a ton of, you know, explosive plays. I think just two over 50 yards over the past two seasons. Um, but yeah, and then he, then he crushed the pro day. So it was a little interesting ultimately, like, why would you draft him? Just, just, just draft Jarquez Hunter next year. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about this class from a macro perspective. Part of the reason why I am a little lower on it is just because, well, the, the NFL draft community is saying this is the deepest running back draft in X amount of years, but like deep doesn't really matter to me. Like I, I care about good, not, not deep. And, and you just look at available landing spots. There's like zero exciting landing spots. And, and part of that is because we just also had one of the best, free, deepest free agency classes ever. And now it's one of the deepest rookie running back classes ever. There's just like no good landing spots. Like I said before with Bijan, the last of the bell cows, bell cows are dead. I'm team zero, uh, zero RB now, Sean, like seriously, just, there we go. Gotcha. I, everyone is a committee back now. Everyone is a committee back. So you got Bijan. Hell yeah. Let's draft Bijan, the last of the bell cows. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Austin Eckler, and then it's like there's no one else. And like one of those teams could could draft. I mean, it's whatever. It's just it's just bad. It's just rough times, rough times. So um, yeah, Bijan's exciting, and then all these other guys. It's like where are the good landing spots? We just talked a bunch about the running backs, but all these guys are we know so landing spot dependent, so draft capital dependent. But uh, ex ante, looking at where we're at today, it's 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 hard to get excited beyond Bijan Robinson, who's guaranteed bell cow because he's so good, and then Jameer Gibbs, who could be Austin Eckler because he's such a good pass catcher. So you're feeling like the post NFL draft breakdowns at the running back position, and and people who have looked into it, I think, are on top of this. But it's going to be 
I'm not brutal per se, but it's going to be rough for people when they're looking at their own rosters and when they're trying to figure out the excitement about players that they liked. The post-NFL draft is going to be more about how the rookies hurt veterans than landed in spots where they're going to go and emerge. Is that your thought? Uh, right. I, I mean, it's just I just think it's gross everywhere. It's just like a, a bunch of committees everywhere. But yeah, the, the rookies are going to hurt the the free agency class. In my best ball drafts, we're, we're going like super zero RB and loading up on rookies late. Um, but I, just from a, the, the perspective of this rookie class as a whole, it's like I don't see any bell cows or any running backs to get excited about besides the top two. And looking at landing spots, yeah, where is someone going to be a bell cow where you're excited? Like Kendra Miller, who I do like, put him where is he going to be like a, a fantasy RB one or high end fantasy RB two. The big takeaway here, Sean, the big takeaway here is that we've got Scott over to zero RB. <laughs> yeah, no, th- I, I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to talk about it. This is the most zero RB. Oh my, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm all in. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Anti RB. When you look at that from a rookie draft perspective though, one of the questions that we've had that is, I think, a really interesting question. We've had listeners ask, you know, if now that we actually have moved into the zero RB and or, you know, kind of at most this hero RB era, why do we not have JSN or especially the quarterbacks at the 101 if that's the case? My argument has been because Robinson is so unique that actually if we're now into zero RB or hero RB, it makes it more valuable if he's the one guy who can thwart some of these trends but i mean people have made some of those arguments for other players before where i've definitely thought look you're just kind of misunderstanding how valuable zero rb or or hero rb is and it's not actually an exception what kind of which side of that do you fall on for how people are approaching and we didn't talk about qbs and we don't really want, (laughs) want to get into that but but looking at the 101 and super flex are you really comfortable with robinson uh, for sure. It's, it's because of positional scarcity. Like there are, there are five running backs I want to own in dynasty and Bijan's one of the five and he might be number one on the list. So, uh, be, because he's a bell cow, because he's going to get a high number of carries and targets and because he's really good, uh, beyond that, like the committee backs with who lack upside just don't really move the needle for me. And they're also older. So yeah, like an ideal, an ideal dynasty startup for me is something like Bijan. Uh, and then my other running backs are going to be, I don't know, cheap, cheap old guys. And I'm only going to have like two or three of them on the entire team. And then just the rest is yeah, getting these wide receivers. Luckily you can get a JSM late. Uh, or what is it? Three rounds later, two rounds later. Awesome. Excited to see now uh, how this develops over the next 12 months. When we have you on again for the NFL draft next year, it'll be just a zero RB draft conversation, I think is what we're going to go with, but really awesome to have you on Scott for both shows this week. If people haven't checked out the wide receiver conversation that we had on Monday's episode, head on back and check that out. Make sure you follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB and at fantasypoints.com. I still mentioned Twitter at the end of everything. I know when you're Sean's off Twitter, Sean's decided long ago that that was the right thing to do. Sean, there's a lot of people. It seems like are having issues with Twitter over this last couple of months, but this last week in particular seems to be, a little bit of a meltdown over there in the Twitter area, but we'll see. We might be uh, plugging different uh, social medias as shows move into the future, but uh, awesome stuff. And 
Of course, check out all his work over at fantasypoints.com. You can check out Sean's work at rotaviz.com. And Sean, of course, will give one final plug to the day two show. We'll be back here on, on Friday. I have, we have to figure out, Sean, what we're going to actually talk about because we'll be recording that before the NFL draft. We might do something a little bit fun, but what's happening on day two? Well, Ben Gretsch and I will have Steel and Bana's live feed. That's when, I mean, it sounds like all these guys could be overdrafted into round one. I love that because those are the players that I'm interested in talking about. But day two, that's where you're going to get the rest of round one for your rookie drafts, round two for your rookie drafts. Scott, tell the the listeners as you take us out here, you were going to have a a comment on Twitter. Obviously, people love you on there. But also, uh, what media are you guys doing for the draft live this year? Oh, yeah, we're doing a live uh, stream for day one of the NFL draft and day two of the NFL draft. It's me, Brett Whitefield, and a handful of guests. Uh, if you're available, Sean, would love to, to have you on as a guest, and we can we can dive deeper into uh, how, I, how I'm now uh, trying to be uh, embraced by the zero RB community. I don't know if they'll take me after my years of slander, but, but I'm, I'm here for it. This is wonderful. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And until we are back on Friday, enjoy round one of the NFL draft. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.